For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is Rashawn Evans, and you're listening to the No Nonsense Podcast. Welcome into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast. Your place to go for on-demand Titans coverage that is 100% free of the nonsense that we always see in sports talk these days. I'm Luke Warsham, joined by the other two hosts of No Nonsense, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. If you like what you're listening to and want more of No Nonsense, why don't you give us a follow on social media? That way you will know whenever we have posted a new episode. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at No Nonsense Pod. You can also subscribe to or follow the show on whatever platform you're using to listen. And that will give you the easiest and fastest access to all of our new episodes. We've got a really fun episode coming up for you today. Titans Film Room, one of our favorite guests, is going to be hopping on with us in just a bit. As our topic today is in-house free agents for the Tennessee Titans. So guys like Corey Davis, Jonu Smith, Jayon Brown, Jadeveon Clowney. We're going to be getting into all of those guys today and discussing who the Titans should try to bring back and who maybe it would be best to let move on to greener pastures. Before we get to that, though, guys, the pressing news of the day is Mike the Duke Donegan the longtime play or, or public address announcer for the Titans during games has retired. This is not news. The news is that they have put out an open call, an open application to find his replacement. So will either one of you be throwing your hat in the ring to be the Titans' new public address announcer? I live in Miami, so I have to... I can't. <laughs> it's up to Will. Yeah, I'm 100% not doing it. Uh, I did actually think of you, Luke, when they said that. I was like, you've got a very, like, matter-of-fact. Yeah, because yeah, Duke's voice isn't, like, emotional or, like, big. Like, it's not, so, like, something that, like, Buck would do because yeah. it's not something just it, – It's that's not what I, his voice is best I, used for. Like – I don't know. I don't think I would be like I've done public address. Like I did PA for uh, basketball games at my high school when I was in high school. But like, I don't know. I'm not very good at the like getting the fans riled up kind of stuff. Like that's where I am not the greatest. Uh, you know the, uh, you know, Johnu Smith. You know that that kind of stuff. Like I that's not me. Like, that right there felt very awkward and uncomfortable. 
<laughs> even no, just it felt, doing it. It felt so natural. I yeah. was like, it's, I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was definitely something. It was definitely quite the, quite the yeah. experience to hear that. <laughs> so I don't know, man. Maybe you'll grow into it. Sometimes you just need a little bit of a little bit of uh, you know practice. If I did that job, yeah, I would have to, to I would have to quit my current job because I would be covering the games. I would be sitting there watching them and shouting people's names. Although you know, it would be an honor to sit in the same seat as the guy Mike Donigan, who immortalized the following phrase in my mind because I heard it so many times. Johnson, gain of one. Second and nine. I cannot tell you how many times I heard that over the years. Yeah, after, I mean, know, a- after Chris Johnson's peak, <laughs> even during like this is this is turned into like immediate uh, Chris Johnson slander. But there was like a weird time, <laughs> even when he was like ripping off long gains, where it was like one yard, one yard, one yard, thirty-seven yards. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's brutal to hear. Second best running back in franchise history behind Derrick Henry. All right. Now, <laughs> now that we've made people angry um, <laughs> with Chris Johnson slash Eddie George slander, we're going to get into talking about the Titans in-house free agents. Before we go through each of them individually, I'll pose this question because we know who they are, uh, and, and I'll just read them out. Because that way we'll start on the same page, and uh, and and we'll be good to go with that. So the Titans' impending free agents again in-house guys are Corey Davis, Jadevian Clowney, Daquan Jones, Stephen Goskowski, Michael Pruitt. This is a long list. Ty Sambrilo, Jack Crawford, Will Compton, Marshall Newhouse, Nick Zubnar. Jeff Swaim, Sonoris Perry, Darren Bates, Matt Overton, good lord, Ty Smith, Johnu Smith, Anthony Ferkser, who is a restricted free agent, Deontay Foreman, Khalif Raymond, Breon Borders. Actually, Breon Borders is no longer a free agent. They signed him back. Wyatt Ray, Desmond King, Jayon Brown, Jamiel Douglas, and Matt Dickerson. Hopefully those two won't be sticking around. Nick Westbrook, Ikeen, Joshua Kalu, and uh, Kari Blossom Game. Westbrook, Akeen, and Blossing Game, and Wyatt Ray are exclusive rights-free agents, meaning that all three of those players will be back with the Titans. We have that list. We're going to break down each of the big ones. I don't know that we're going to spend time talking about uh, Blossing Game or Nick Westbrook, Akeen, but of that list, you get to pick one to come back, and money matters. So it's not just, you know, well, if he was free, I would want Corey Davis back because I think we all would. Uh, that would probably be our choice. But taking the salary in mind, who who do you think is most important from that list? And then we will get into to talking about the pros and cons of, of each of those individual options. That's really tough. Oof, man, I I don't I'm not really sure. Probably Sonoris Perry. No, I'm kidding. Um. I don't know. If you take money into account, I think Michael Pruitt is like a very important part of the offense, and especially given uh, the depth at tight end, I think he's probably a priority uh, bring back for me. Uh, and I've talked about Jonu and how I'm 50-50 on bringing him back. I do think Corey Davis, 
I want him back, but I just feel like he's going to be too expensive. So I think I'm going with Pruitt here. It, this is tough. I, I'm, I guess I'm going to be out of the box and just say uh, Jack Crawford. <clears throat> I like Jack Crawford a lot more than a lot of people do. I think he was the best guy to be in that, like, hybrid five tech role that they used a lot and that they used last year. And for my money, he was better than what Jarrell Casey did for him in 2019 when they both played that same role. Uh, I think he's a guy who, if you stay with that three defensive line scheme, great. He can jump in and be a rotational starter who you can draft somebody in the later rounds to hopefully replace. If not, that's fine. He's also somebody that if you go to a two defensive tackle scheme where you just classic four, two or four, three or whatever, then you could have him rotate in with Tier Tart or Jeffrey Sim, really either one, because he's got enough wiggle to play either the one or the three. And he also is, has the size to play those two. So I I like him a lot. I hope they bring him back. He's kind of like the defensive version of Ty Sambrello, who I also thought about, but I think that, um, I think Crawford would just get more actual snaps on the starting team than Sam Brelo, hopefully. Wow. I can't believe – like, y'all didn't go for the big guys. Like – Well – You said to take money in the account. I, I know. And and I think that yeah. is a good frame for our discussion that, that we're going to have about each of these guys individually. The fact that it's not a crazy take to say that you know, Jack Crawford may be the guy they need to bring back the most out of this list. Uh, for for me, get, maybe Will Compton. I mean, honestly, he was their he was their best linebacker. I thought about it last year. I, I, which I thought about great. it a lot, actually. Granted, that's not saying much. Um, yeah, I'm I'm looking at the list. I mean, Stephen Goskowski would probably be good to bring back, but. You know, it is really tough. Like, I'm sitting here thinking, man. Yeah, I mean, you can make a case against every one of the top guys. Yeah, that, and that's why I'm having trouble picking, and that's why you guys had trouble picking, is, like, I sit here. Well, let, let's just start going through them. Let's start with Corey Davis, because with Corey Davis, I sit here and say, you know, we know what he is. We've had this discussion so many times on this podcast. He's a number two receiver. He's a good compliment. He's not a number one. He's not what he's drafted to be. Can we all we can all agree on that definition of Corey Davis, correct? Yes. Okay. So that into account, my projection for Corey Davis on A to Z SportsNashville.com was that he would make thirteen point seventy five million dollars a year. Could be more, could be less than that, obviously. But let's take that projection. If I'm the Titans, I don't really want to pay close to $14 million for a guy who's just kind of a compliment when we already don't really throw the ball very much. However, by the same token, if I'm the Titans and I don't bring Corey Davis back, it's A.J. Brown and me and Matias running around out there. Like, I mean, you got Nick Westbrook, Akeen, Khalif Raymond, Cam Batson. Like, you know, if you don't bring Corey Davis back, you're going to have to go get three receivers total from the draft and free agency. I think that is the problem with Corey Davis here, the conundrum of 
you know, at one sense, is a number two receiver worth fourteen million bucks or thereabouts? And then the second is, okay, even if we say no, what now? It's yeah, no, it, it is really tough because we haven't seen the best of Corey Davis. I still think his best years are probably ahead of him, which makes you believe that you would want to pay him uh, that much, but. I mean, he got he might get paid more. Sammy Watkins is making sixty million dollars a year. Uh, he signed that contract with the Chiefs a couple of years ago. We saw how that worked out. Uh, but I don't know. Like you said, he's a really good number two receiver. But I don't know if I'm paying a really good number two receiver fourteen to sixteen million dollars a year. There's just so much money. Uh, and like you said, we really don't throw it enough for, uh, to warrant that for a number two receiver. The thing is, if we don't make other moves at at the other receiver spots, then like we need him there. <laughs> like we at least need to sign someone. So I, I don't know. It, it's really tough. I would like to see him back because I love him as a player. He was fantastic last year, uh, and he gutted through some injuries the years before. Uh, he's a great person, great great leader, really good blocker also. So. It, it, it's I, I don't know I really don't know what I would do it's a really tough decision for uh, for John Robinson to make obviously I've, I've kind of stood on my soapbox on this y'all know I would absolutely pay him uh, do I think it's the most value you could get from this class no and that's that's why I didn't pick him do I think he's the most important free agent for the Titans in this class absolutely uh, it's not even close so you know what, what I find myself asking is, is it too much to spend 15 or $16 million on your top two wide receivers combined? No. And that's what they would be doing. Now, that would change next year, but how you structure the contract, how long you sign Corey Davis for, the guaranteed money, all that stuff is important. And, you know, with a 17th game and with all these other big-name free agent wide receivers – hitting the market or getting franchise tags, we don't know what a good deal will look like for a wide receiver because even at, what is it, 13.75 million, Luke? Yes, um, yeah. Even at at that price, after the franchise tags and re-signings, he's not going to be paid like a top 20 receiver in the NFL. So if you ask me, is he a top 20 receiver in the NFL? I would say yes, based on last year, just because I I think he was. I I think he was undeniably that good when you look at who else is around that top 20 list. Um, Now, do I think he's top 10? No. But there's a lot of space between 11 and 20. So by that token, I don't think it's too much to pay Corey Davis. I would be comfortable paying it. He's 26 years old, and like Matias said, the best best football he's going to play is still ahead of him. Like – He's finally healthy. He's finally in an offense that understands how to use him and how to get him in situations where he'll thrive. And the NFL slash this team knows what he is. Like, it's no longer, is he going to be a wide receiver one? Should we trust him in one-on-one matchups with the other team's top corner? Like, they know that that's not going to be something where he thrives. But if you put him in a pass-heavy offense or if he's your number two, then he can be a thousand-yard receiver every other year and that's good enough for me like based off the entire history of the titans franchise and when you look at those wide receivers he 
would go down as one of the most successful players at his position in franchise history. And I'm okay with paying a guy like that. So let's take the scenario of they don't bring back Corey Davis. How many receivers, if you're the Titans, do you then need? Like three is what I'm thinking. Cause, yeah, and then that's an, fine with me. four. Probably. Like, well, yeah, I mean, like, if you don't re-sign like, Corey Davis, you've got to find two starters, right? Because you're lining up in, th- in uh, what, 31 personnel, 13 personnel, whatever it's called. 13, right? I mean, they, they usually 13 run... 13 is with three tight ends. Yeah, yeah they usually run 21. So, like, they usually... So, I'm thinking 12. 11 personnel. Now I'm back That's one two. back, one tight yeah, end. Now. Sorry, I always get confused. You're yeah. running 11 personnel on third down... If you don't get two wide, if you don't get two starting wide receivers, then you got AJ Brown and I, I mean, and then you got to get depth That's too. They two yeah. players, two receivers. Why did they cut Humphrey? But then you look at tight ends, and no, they don't have they have Perkser. Well, well, let's talk. Let's talk about this because this this hap- I've almost forgot this happened since the last time we recorded. They released Adam Humphreys. They're paying him around five million bucks to not play for them this year. Like th- that makes me think that Humphreys might not play anymore, because if I think that Humphreys' brain is not mush, considering the prob the the depth or lack thereof, I'm I want him on the team if I'm the Titans. Well. Okay, so I have a theory about that. When uh, first of all, you also get five million dollars when you cut him anyway. So, you know, you're spending five million dollars, whatever that money was already gone. But instead, you can look at it like this is a way to get five more million dollars to spend. So, with that in mind, Anthony Ferks are predominantly lined up as a slot receiver, m- way more than he lined up in line. Like it was like an eighty to twenty percent split. So. I wonder if between Darrington Evans as that kind of like quote unquote like slot running back hybrid that he was sold as coming out of the draft and with Ferks are there, considering how rarely the Titans run three wide receiver sets, I wonder if they just thought, you know what, we can find a better way to spend five million dollars and we can we can get by with what we have by doing what we've done for, you know, what, how long was he out since the Cincinnati game? So that was he didn't play. He played season? one game after that, and that was when the pass hit him in the face, and then we never saw him again. Yeah, yeah, that was against the Browns. So it's like so he played one game kind of uh, in the back half of the season, and they arguably were better in the second half of the season than they were in the first half of the season. So you know, the he didn't impact the offense when he wasn't on the field and they found ways to get around it. So they must feel confident with what they have and what they're like, what they can do to replace his production. So I I think that's kind of what they're telling us is even if we like him, the injury concerns and the fact that we can get $5 million from cutting him is just too appealing. Oh man. I, I don't know. Like, well, they've got a ton of draft picks, so that works in their favor with this. They've got they're going to have eight draft picks, including they, four in the top one hundred. They might need more, honestly. 
Yeah. There are a lot of like, well, I mean, we're going to keep talking about it, but there are a lot of holes, depth holes on the roster right now. Yeah. yeah, like that's that's it's such a hard thing to talk about, like depth holes and stuff, because I keep hearing people say, like, there's so many holes on this roster. And I'm like, well, there's no real holes on offense if they like with the starters, if they can get Corey Davis back or if they spend a high draft pick on a wide receiver. The holes on defense, there's just one big hole at defensive coordinator, like maybe at edge. I mean, every linebacker spot is not very good, in, in my opinion. Well, but how many teams... Right, but they're there. They're there. Yeah, like they have humans that exist. And it's like, <laughs> how many how many off-the-ball linebackers can you name that are real difference makers in the league other than the guys in uh, Tampa Bay and then, like, Darius Leonard and, like, two or three others? Like, they're, it's, not, it's not necessary to have great inside linebackers. I mean, who have the inside linebackers been for the Pittsburgh Steelers the last two years when they've been so good on defense? Uh, Devin like, Bush back when they were good. ACL. Yeah, but he tore his ACL like three weeks into the se- two weeks into the well, season or something, is, and they uh, were still. We don't we don't have enough time to have the do inside yeah. linebackers matter conversation. Yeah, right now I think we had that last week anyway. Uh, look, I, I think we've made the point with Corey Davis. This is the trickiest one of them all, I believe, because you have to have enough money for yourself. To, to buy some pass rush, but you also have to have more than one receiver. And and look, I love A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown's a really good player, but he's not doing it all by himself. I mean, you know, oh, my gosh. Because, I mean, if, I, if I'm a defensive coordinator and I see A.J. Brown out there and then around him is Nick Westbrook, Ikeen, and Cam Batson, I might triple A.J. Brown. And just take my chances with the other guys. Yeah, and it's it's almost not fair to put A.J. Brown in that situation, too, where it's like, hey, uh, we know that you have a perfect Batman and Robin situation going on here, and you're off to one of the most successful starts for a w- rookie wide receiver in NFL history. Uh, having said that, we're going to change one of the key parts of that, and I <laughs> hope you appreciate the extra coverage. Well, like, and we're, we haven't even mentioned the fact that Arthur Smith is gone on top of all of this. Yeah, they should bring him back. <laughs> yeah, you probably oh. want to give a new offensive coordinator as much talent as possible. You yeah. don't want to diminish his weapons from the year before. Well, let's talk about another weapon, uh, Jonu Smith. So this is another really interesting one because the franchise tag figure is roughly $10 bucks for a tight end is projected that way, according to over the cap. Uh that's swallowable, but here's the problem. I don't know that Jonu Smith makes enough of an impact for the Titans, and this is what I'm really excited to talk to Titans Film Room when he comes on later because he, he knows the tape as well as anyone, is, look, Jonu Smith is an athletic player. He's really fast, but he doesn't produce very much. You know, he'll get 450 receiving yards a year, and he'll have – these disappearing spells where he'll catch eight passes for 95 yards and two touchdowns. And then you just you don't see him for a few weeks after that. Like, I, I just don't know how much a player like that is worth. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know either. And 
What's the what's the rumored number on him as a free agent? How much he would make? Like eight point five or something I, like that? I haven't done that's, my that's study tag. yet. Yeah, that, the that, tag is so 10? the tag is eight point five. I thought the tag was yeah. ten. Uh, uh th- yeah, the tag's eight point five, I believe. Regard, it's it's a, it's the same. Eight point five would be top six, I think. Ertz is making eight point five also, so he would be the the sixth highest paid tight end, and he is not the sixth best tight end in the NFL, in my opinion. I mean, he does, just doesn't really make that type of impact. I like him. I think he's a versatile player. I think he's very athletic. He could do a lot for you. He's also a decent enough blocker, but I feel like you can get the same impact that he makes either through the draft. I mean, we drafted him in the fourth round. What the, what, well, we should be able to do it again, right? And see, and, I, I want to comment uh, on. I want to comment on that point, Matias, because the Titans are in a position now where, because they're good and they've been consistently good for the last four or five years, where you know these decisions are coming up. You know, back. In the Wizen Hunt and Rustin Webster days, and in the early John Robinson days where he was cleaning up the mess, Titans didn't have to make these decisions. Because if there was a guy that was good that had a contract coming up, they just pay him because the cap was not a problem. And the Titans have a healthy cap, but they're also paying good football players. And so you get in this position, and here's what I think needs to happen now, because this is a new phase of the organization. I don't think that the Titans or the three of us as analysts can sit here with every free agent and say, yeah, uh, they shouldn't pay him because he's not that good and he's not worth that money, but, I mean, what's the alternative, right? Because if, if that's the argument, then you just pay everyone $14 million and you quickly become irrelevant. It is now John Robinson's guys. like it, it, we, So there have been three phases. Phase one was clean up the Rustin Webster mess. Phase two was, okay, the mess is now cleaned up. Now make a really good football team. Now he's in phase three, which is he's going to have to start replacing his own players. It's going to be up to him to find the replacement for the tight end who's not worth $10 million and the number two receiver who may be worth $14 million for another team but probably isn't for the Titans. That's John Robinson's job now. Would you all agree with that? Yeah, that's the curse of being good at drafting. Sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I would say it started last year. I mean, they had to basically decide between, you know, Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, Logan Ryan, Jack Conklin. Like, I mean, Byard. they they had they to extend Byard. Like they, I mean, they just had tough decisions to make. So it's like, you know. This has been happening. The problem is, or I mean, not the problem, but the reason why it seems so evident now is because Robinson made the made the right decisions and then made the wrong decisions after. Like, can you imagine if he was like, you know what, I'm going to put Derrick Henry on the franchise tag and we'll just deal with it as it comes. And then we're here this year and we're like, oh man, okay, now we've got to pay Derrick Henry. He just had 2000, a 2,000 yard season and, you know, the fan base is demanded and you have a great offseason. Like, luckily, that's not the case. And same thing with Tannehill. Like, they got those deals done long term. But, I mean, he's already had to start making those hard decisions. Now it's just more wide receivers and tight ends instead of quarterbacks and running backs. So, I I don't know. Like, I mean, you are correct. Like, he has to figure out if 
he if he thinks that Jonu Smith is going to become that guy, or if he thinks that Jonu Smith is just another guy that they basically created with their scheme. Yeah, if you told me if the Titans would assure me that they will use Jonu Smith more in the passing game and give him more targets and let him be the athletic specimen that he is and kind of cover for some of the losses they might have a receiver. Okay, fine. Go ahead. Pay him $8.5 million or whatever it is. But if they're going to use him to get 450 yards out of him, like you, like Luke said, no. Like, this is just not worth it. Yeah, and a lot of people are going to say, you know, it's different to have a chess piece guy who, you know, he can block and he can do all that. Like, and that's true. And there's a lot of value in what Johnny Smith does. Like, I, I don't, I don't want to diminish that, but I mean, the offense really doesn't run through the tight ends. It's not 2016. The offense runs through Derrick Henry, what he's able to do. Then it's play action and what they can do getting the ball to guys like Corey Davis and A.J. Brown. Like, that's why Johnny Smith's numbers aren't eye-popping is because he's the third option. I mean, like, he's basically he fills the job of uh, what the running back should do in a normal scheme because – I mean, our, our, no offense, Derrick Henry, but he's just a terrible receiver. So, you know, he kind of becomes that checkdown guy. So I don't know. Like, I, I don't remember a lot of plays that John New Smith has made recently that it's like, okay, have him split the scene. He's going to get a 25 yard pass and it's going to be an explosive play by him. And those are the kind of guys that are getting paid that kind of money. So I, I don't know. We've really only got on this list a couple of guys left before we start to start to get into the ranks of the like middling tier. Uh, Daquan Jones is the next one we can talk about. Look, I, I think it's time to move on from Daquan Jones. I think he's good. I, I think he's he, he was a great draft pick for Rustin Webster back in the day, which you couldn't say very often. But look, he he is a run stopping defensive tackle, and those guys are a dime a dozen. And I think Titans fans, because due to the Webster years, they're so used to like horrific play, they see a Daquan Jones and think his value in terms of the grand picture of the NFL is greater than it really is. Uh, look, you need guys that are going to get sacks. And I don't think you should be spending money on a run-stopping defensive tackle who's, you know, not an elite guy by any means. He's just kind of your average, you know, good technique, good push, defensive tackle. Spend that money on Ryan Kerrigan or on, uh, you know, Vaughn Miller or someone like that and go draft yourself another Daquan Jones. Same thing we're talking about with, with uh, Johnny Smith is go find a replacement for Daquan Jones, which shouldn't be that hard. I think that's what they probably thought Laurel Murchison was. We had this conversation last week, but to boil it down, Daquan Jones is a replaceable player, and if you're asking the question, okay, what's the alternative, again, the answer to that needs to be John Robinson is just going to have to figure it out. Yeah, I'm totally in agreement. I remember back in 2017, before he got injured, um, I think it was a season-ending injury. But before that, he had like a, a little streak of a couple of games with some sacks. 
and he kind of showed off a little bit of pass rush ability that we hadn't seen before. Uh, and I think that kind of got the Titans to thinking he might turn into that player. He never did, but he was also he was also never bad. He was a serviceable, you know, defensive line rotational guy who could help you in in spurts, but really didn't ever make that much of an impact uh, in games. So yeah, I, I would let him walk. I don't know how much he's going to make on the open market. If he wants to take a hometown discount and come back as a rotational guy uh, for, I don't know, a couple million dollars, okay, I, I'd be fine with it, but I wouldn't spend too much more on him. But before I talk, what? how much would y'all pay? Like, let's say it's just like you can pick your price, but you have to be reasonable. How much would you pay for Daquan Jones? Like just on a one-year deal? Three million dollars, maybe. Yeah, I was gonna say three point five. Yeah, I mean, I think all that's fine. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I've always liked Quan Jones. I think next to Simmons, he was very good this year. But I, I, the biggest problem I have, other than him being thirty, is that I think his best fit is in an aggressive defense that's going to blitz people behind him because he's so strong that he creates lanes or he can hold up guys. He can two gap or do whatever. But if you're not going to take advantage of that and you've got Rashawn Evans at linebacker and he's not, he's looking the wrong way, like and running the wrong way and not going to the ball, then the impact that he can make just disappears. Like you could see the impact he made when, Jayon Brown was really firing on all cylinders in 2019. And, you know, like you could see it's like, okay, like Daquan Jones stopped it. So, uh, like on, uh, the fumble that this is kind of going on a tangent, but on the fumble that happened in Kansas city last year uh, in, in that the Titans won, Jeffrey Simmons drives the guard back and sets a wall and the guy cuts back and he cuts right into David Long who forces the fumble and Rashawn Evans picks it up. Like that's a play that's going to go on Rashawn Evans highlight reel for the rest of his life and maybe even David Long's too. But the defensive tackle is the guy who made that play. If he doesn't drive the guard two yards in the backfield and force a cutback, then none of that happens. And that's kind of an extreme example, but he's a guy who's constantly done that as a, 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 I mean, just as an NFL player, like his whole career. So it's hard because I do, I do agree with you. I don't want to overrate stopping ability. Like it's why I don't advocate for run stuffing defensive tackles in the first round. Cause I don't think they're that valuable, but at the same time, I think that if you can get him for, you know, anything under $5 million, whether you have to structure it where it's $2 million this year and $6 million next year when the cap goes up. Like I, I think he adds enough that's intangible that you can't see, but he also does make plays where he just gets in the backfield and grab Like he's like what people say Jadavian Clowney is, except he's actually good. And there's actually play like plays that he makes that you can cut back to. So I'm more, of a Daquan Jones defender and all this. I think he's one of those guys like Jack Crawford who could be the best value of their free agents if they get a good price on him. But if if he's if he comes out and he says, you know, like I want seven million dollars a year, you just can't do it. Like you just can't bring back John U. Smith and uh Daquan Jones for what it would cost you to keep Corey Davis. Like the value just doesn't make sense. 
One last player we should talk about before we bring Titans Film Room into the show is one that I think we'll just all three be in agreement on and we won't have to talk about very long. The last of the big-name in-house free agents for the Titans, Jadavian Clowney. No thank you, correct? Yeah. There's, like, I not mean, even a, well, maybe if it's this, like, I, no. Go spend the money on someone who's going to get sacks. Did, did, was it Rappaport today that tweeted about about yes. him? Yes, Or was it someone else? That, that he he's put in ha- his tweet, like, getting ready, like, he'll be ready for a new team. So he yeah. pretty much just ruled out that the Titans will even bring him back. Yeah, Rappaport, who is pretty well connected to Tennessee. Well, and on, and on top of that, we're leaving out the part where in the tweet it was like, it may take them a while to find the new team or something like that. And everyone's like, oh, well, goodness gracious, PTSD. The, so, I the, – this is, this is going to sound meaner than it should, I guess. But I just don't know why anybody wants Jadavian Clowney. Like, Same. I – I understand that in 2018 he was a good player. And in 2019 he was given the benefit of the doubt because of a late trade and you know he didn't report to camp. Maybe next year he'll do better. 2020, roll the dice on him because you get him on a one-year deal. Maybe he brings you back a comp pick. Maybe he's good. You know, we'll, you know, it's a position of need. You're getting a you know $13 million contract for a starting edge is good money. Okay. I get all that, but we're two years removed from him having a good season. He's been hurt twice. He, this, this is, let me just say, that's my personal opinion. I think he quit on the Titans last year. Like I know he got hurt, but all the rumors that came out were basically, he could play through it if he wanted to. And then Mike Vrabel's press conference after like once that the first time that he officially went on injured reserve, he seemed very frustrated at, Clowney's response now you've got he's putting off surgery until April I mean he knows about it March 2nd like at the very at the very least he knows that he needs it now but he's putting surgery off until April or maybe he's getting surgery and regardless it's been so long that it just none of this makes sense it just seems like another ploy for him to push time back so he doesn't he has another excuse to not be in training camp that he can't be fined for like yeah. I, i'm just i'm over it i don't know why anybody would put up with that for just a giant goose egg on the sack sheet <laughs> on the stat sheet and then also for seemingly nobody on the team to care about him like i, I just yeah. I, I don't understand I, i'm with you there 100% Here's my here's my stat for any clowny supporters left. Uh, over the last two seasons with the Seahawks and Titans, he has missed 11 games, and he also has the same number of tackles for loss, 11, and he has three sacks in two seasons. Good stat. Like what? Do you, what? What else does this guy need to not do? For you to just admit that, oh, maybe he's not, maybe he's not good. Matias, you gotta go beyond the stats, okay? The stats don't tell the whole story, right? This is but, what I'm. This is what I keep getting told. But if you're not getting tackles for loss, then what are you doing? Disrupting. Yeah. The, the duh. The stats Disrupting do tell something. He doesn't get hurries either. Uh, I, he's a he is a disruptor. <laughs> but but <laughs> all right, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> 
Okay, so we are joined now by one of our favorite guests, Titans Film Room, known to us as Justin Graver. You can follow him on Twitter, at Titans Film Room. Justin, we tried to get you on a, a few weeks ago, and little did I know, because you're, you're a California guy, right? That's right. I, I, so I, I sent you a, a DM on Twitter, asked if you would come on, and you said that you were in Texas with no power and heat during the snowmageddon fiasco that happened two weeks ago yeah so it was actually I, I was i spent three months in dallas i went home for the holidays where i was born and raised so i was staying at my parents house for since thanksgiving and i was going to come back to los angeles where i live but covid's been crazy and the state was shut down so it didn't really seem like it was worth coming back and then i was going to come back and the weekend I was going to make the drive was the weekend that the snowstorm hit. So, yes, I was then trapped in Texas for another week, and we lost power, and we lost internet, heat, all all the good stuff. We weren't too badly affected, but we did have no power for three days. So I want to start with this, Justin, because, as you know, we, we've been talking about the Titans' in-house free agents on this episode, and this conclusion that we've come to is, as we've gone through – at least the major ones, Corey Davis and, and John U. Smith, namely. The question we keep coming back to is, okay, well, if you don't sign this guy, what's the alternative? And then we sort of came to the conclusion of, well, that's kind of John Robinson's job now. When you have a good team, you got to be able to find the alternatives when, you know, say maybe Corey Davis isn't worth $13 bucks to you or John U. Smith isn't worth $10 bucks. So with that in mind, I'll ask you this. Of those two players, because I tend to think it was probably one or the other, if if either one, who would would who would it harm the Titans more to lose between Corey Davis and Jonu Smith? So that's a great question. I think that is an important factor. Is uh, if you have a player already on the team that you think could replace that player, that player's production, whatever. Like for example, you didn't mention Jayon Brown just now, but. The Titans have a guy like David Long on the roster who you he's never really been that full-time starter for a full season or whatever, but you'd expect if he had to take on that role, he'd be okay, if not good, at it. Whereas at wide receiver and at tight end, I mean, the Titans have other tight ends, obviously. They're all set to be free agents. Uh, Anthony Ferkser is the best probably pass catcher, Michael Pruitt, the run blocker, but neither of those guys can do what Johnny Smith can do in terms of versatility. And then at receiver, I mean... What do you have, Cam Batson and Nick Westbrook-Akine? So those guys aren't stepping in to replace Corey Davis, right? So in terms of who would it hurt to lose more, I think in a vacuum, the wide receiver two, having that productive wide receiver two, is like a more important position to the offense in general. But to the Titans offense specifically, having a tight end that can play, that when he's on the field, it's not telegraphed, whether it's a run or a pass, I think is more valuable for this team specifically just because they led the league in 12 personnel last year and they want to use two tight end sets so they need versatile tight ends and on top of that when it comes to other free agents or the draft I just feel like you're going to have a harder time replacing Johnny Smith than you are Corey Davis even though like all things equal I do think that wide receiver two position is more important does that make sense yeah, yes, it does yes. make sense, for sure. Uh, I wanted to ask you a little, uh, about the defensive free agents. They they don't have 
too many, although there are a couple of names to stick out, like Daquan Jones, Jalen Brown, uh, Jadavion Clowney, even though all, all his publicity is negative at this point. <laughs> do you think any of those guys, well, Desmond King also, do you think any of those guys are are worthy of being brought back? Do you think they add enough to the defense in order for you to say we really should bring him back, especially if you if you think about some of the other free agents from outside that are that are going to be available. Right. Yeah, it depends because the Titans are pre- going to be pretty limited in what they can do unless they restructure a lot of contracts. So, in, like, they got to add edge help. So you you have to invest some money in the edge position, even if that's a cheap deal for Clowney, which they don't expect to be that happens, but. Whether it's a cheap deal for Clowney or paying a top-level edge rusher or paying like three middling to lower tier guys, like they got to set money aside for that. So how much is left for Jayon Brown, Desmond King, Daquan Jones? I think honestly, Daquan Jones is super underrated, and the fact that he was a captain on the defense last year on a defense that didn't really seem to know how to find its way very often, that was already lacking veteran leaders after losing. Casey and Logan Ryan and Wesley Woodyard to the offseason. I think a guy like Daquan Jones is is super important and undervalued and underrated by the fan base because he doesn't really rush the passer that well. But his versatility on the defensive line, if you lose Daquan Jones, you're adding another hole to the roster. Like you already have to fill the edge position. You already need, you know, to replace possibly a wide receiver or possibly a tight end, possibly a linebacker possibly slot cornerback, depending on what they think of Christian Fulton. So if you lose a D lineman also, now, you, now you're looking at possibly you got to beef up at least the depth in that position regardless. So, And I don't think he's going to be someone who commands a huge salary on the open market. So if I had to put money on one guy of those four that, that you, you mentioned to be back, I would say Daquan Jones is the guy. Yeah, I mean, if they would have gotten anything out of Larell Murchison, I, I think they would have – felt more comfortable moving on but i just don't I, I mean i think that if they can get him on a reasonable deal he makes a ton of sense talking about leadership on the defense and you know cap cuts and all that something i constantly run into is people talking about cutting vinnie vinnie well, kenny vaccaro sorry about that so vinnie Cacaro. yeah vinnie Cacaro, his uh evil twin who was probably out of the field last year um <laughs> So I think Vaccaro is fine. I, I think he played like the better of the two safeties last year. Now, I know that Hooker being behind kind of dry conversation and it may convince him to restructure. But am I missing something where Vaccaro is just some clear cap cut because of his play on the field? Like, I, I don't see that at all. Yeah, I don't see that at all either. Hook him horns, go, go Longhorns, Kenny Vaccaro. But I, yeah. I agree with you. And I don't even think Hooker and Vaccaro are that similar. Like, I think Vaccaro is a versatile guy who can play deep, but his strength is in the box. And Hooker, same thing. He's a versatile guy who can play in the box, but his strength is more being that free safety roaming, kind of reading the quarterback's eyes kind of deal. So I almost think he's more of like a Kevin By Like Hooker to me is more of a Kevin Byard type, or and I don't want to say replacement because I don't think they're trying to replace him, but more in that mold. And I think you could look at even using Hooker as a slot cornerback against some shiftier receivers and maybe – Bayard as the slot corner against bigger tight end or bigger receivers and dropping hooker into coverage and kind of using the three safeties that they've been using. I don't, I, it would surprise me if the car was cut just to save money, because again, I think that's another hole you don't need on the roster. Yeah. You have two good safeties, but one of them is a really good box safety and that's Vicaro. 
let's take two scenarios here, Justin, with the wide receiver position. Because scenario one is Corey Davis is back. Scenario two is he's not. In each of those scenarios, how many receivers will the Titans need to add during the offseason? Because even if Corey Davis stays, I think you're looking at multiple receivers, including one starter. Because if not, then you're going to have Davis Brown and then one of the bunch of practice squad guys that you brought up earlier, Westbrook Ikeen or Khalif Raymond or Cam Batson. So, at, at what and then at what point is it like, man? That that's just too many players to get at one position in one off season. Yeah, I mean that is a great question. I think that isn't even a free agent too. So he, there's not even a, any guarantee that Khalif Ramos back with the team. And we saw last year how how weak the depth is at receiver behind Corey Davis and and AJ Brown. Obviously Adam Humphreys got hurt, so you can't really blame him for that, but. He's been cut now, so you don't have Adam Humphreys there. So, yeah, I think you need a guy that you can call your slot receiver, and maybe Cam Batson gets snaps there too. But a guy like, you know, someone in this draft, Amari Rogers or Elijah Moore, somebody that can come in and be like a dedicated slot guy or Dwayne Eskridge. I mean, there's lots of options in the draft. And I do think you probably need to add another guy that you can groom to be an outside depth piece like a Tajay Sharp type of guy who they could potentially bring back, which I wouldn't necessarily discount, but I don't expect that at all either. But, you know, they, I think they could sign a, a guy like that in the free agent market for like a $1 million a year type of deal and then draft somebody in, you know, before day three on day two, most likely with one of those two third round picks or maybe moving around a bit on day two to, to find a receiver there. But I do think it's possible they draft more than one just because, I don't, it's hard to see them going out and getting like an Allen Robinson type just because of what the cost will be when you could just turn around and try to re-sign your own guy in Corey Davis, right? So if Corey Davis is gone, they need lots of receivers. They need two or three receivers, right? Guys you can develop. And if Corey Davis is gone, you probably need a free agent guy who at least has the experience of being a veteran, even if he's not a star. And then if Corey Davis is back, yeah, like you said, you still need at least one receiver, if not two, because your wide receiver three and four if you don't add anybody else, I mean, you you've seen that you can't necessarily count on those guys for consistent snaps over the course of a whole season over these last two years. So I, I think you're right. They need to add a lot of receivers and they need to add a lot of positions. But I think that because the cl- this draft class is so deep, you could get by waiting until the draft and drafting a couple guys, if not even more than that. Uh, the fans are going to hate me for this because it's not the sexiest of positions, but I wanted to ask you a little bit about kicker because Goskowski's a free mm-hmm. agent. And I think a lot of fans have still a sour taste in their mouth because of that week one game uh, and some of his struggles afterwards. Uh, the second half of the season, he was fine. He really didn't have too many one against the Colts. Uh, what, do you bring him back, or, or do you think they should try to maybe improve in that area, or are we just so scarred from from the yeah. previous kickers that we've brought in over the past couple of years that we should just ride with Goskowski, give him another year, and see if he truly figures it out? Yeah, this is something Mike Vrabel touched on the last time he did a media appearance. I think it was on this that Titans hangout thing that they did recently for season ticket members. But basically said it's up to Goskowski, right? Like he, this guy's 37 years old, I think. Uh, he could retire maybe if he wants to be back. I think the Titans would take him back. But 
they were paying him $2.75 million last year, which, you know, that's not a lot of money, but for a kicker in a year like this, where we think the contract, the salary cap is going to be really low. That's, that is kind of a lot of money for a kicker. So especially one who, like you said, didn't play great to start the year. He, I think he turned it around and was fine. And, you know, I think the Titans would be fine bringing him back if they could do so at a reasonable number, but it doesn't solve the like long-term kicker problem. And I don't know if Tucker McCann, I think is still on the practice squad. I don't know if he's a long-term solution. So you have a lot of holes to fill this, this off season. I could see a situation where they try to get Goskowski back on like a two-year deal where the cap hit this year's cheaper. And if they have to take some dead cap next off season, then hopefully, you know, the salary cap takes a huge jump and that won't hurt them too much. Or they, they try to sign an free agent guy for the league minimum and hope that he doesn't just completely suck. Right. I mean, it's a huge risk to do that, but it's not like it could be much worse than what the Titans have had the last couple of seasons at kicker. Right. So might as well maybe go for the cheapest option if that's all you're going to get anyway. But I just love how Ryan Suckup goes on to win the freaking Super Bowl after it looked like he was completely done in Tennessee and the Titans cut him. Uh, man, if only they had just kept him last year. Yeah, or hired a defensive coordinator that knew half how to do the job. Uh, <laughs> so but before I get off on that tangent and just go crazy, something, again, another thing that I keep seeing is people talk about how the Titans need an offensive tackle. So me that stems from Isaiah Wilson obviously but I think the tackle position has changed so much from where it was last year just from the fact that we saw Dennis Kelly play and play at a high enough level to where Titans offense not only functioned but it thrived and he very rarely looked like the person who was having the most trouble in the field to me so when I look at the free agents Sambrello's a free agent and I think he's kind of their ideal swing tackle if they went ahead and re-signed him, because I, I like him. I, I liked him not not as much as Lawan, obviously, but when he came in to replace Lawan, I wasn't like the season's over. We've got I was much more afraid of Breon Borders in, in that lot than I was Tas Ambrello. So my question is if they re-signed Tas Ambrello to a two year, you know, ten million dollar deal that's two million dollars this year and then he hits an escalator if he's still on the roster in 2022 do you think that's that they would be done at the position there like is there any reason to spend a top 100 draft pick on an offensive tackle if you've got taylor lewan dennis kelly ty sembrello and david questenberry all on the roster uh yeah i i'm gonna kind of echo something my own podcast co-host justin Mello said about this subject and it's kind of like it depends on how John Robinson viewed Dennis Kelly before last season. Like if he viewed him the way we all did, where like this is a sixth swing tackle who like if you have to start a few games, you're OK, but you don't want him as your starter for the whole season. Then maybe his opinion has changed, because if he still thinks of Dennis, if he thought of Dennis Kelly that way before last season, then his mind has probably been changed. Right. Because the Titans proved they could survive a whole season with Dennis Kelly. But if his goal was to like find an offensive tackle they can groom for the future and he knew he'd be okay if Dennis Kelly had to start all of last season, then they're kind of in the exact same position they were in last year. And maybe other pressing needs like the just the need at edge and the potential need at receiver and a potential need at cornerback, like maybe those will push tackle down John Robinson's list and he'll try to maybe kick the can down the road another year. But there is definitely a chance the Titans use a top 100 pick on a tackle 
if if part of John Robinson's plan is, you know, build this team from the trenches, the most important position then is the offensive line, and the most important position on the offensive line is the tackle, then you need two really good tackles that you can rely on, and one of them is past age 30 now, Des Kelly, and the other one, you know, Lawan. If Lawan only had a 10-year career, he's in the back half, right? Now he's probably going to play longer than that, but it's not out of the question to think the Titans are, will need to start thinking about a left tackle replacement in the next few seasons if Taylor Lewan, you know, I could see Taylor Lewan deciding to walk away from the game. You know, he's had a few concussions. He's got some other ventures. He's got obviously busting with the boys and stuff. So there's a chance. There's a chance. And I know, like, it's the least sexy position, and Titans fans were not happy when Isaiah Wilson was the pick in the first round last year. And then, obviously, they could have never foreseen what happened. And even still, they didn't like the pick at the time. So, yeah, I don't know if Titans fans would necessarily be happy with it, but I could I could t- totally see John Robinson thinking that tackle is a top three need on the roster. Ugh. Not not what I wanted to hear at all. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I think Titans fans should prepare themselves for the possibility that John Robinson still sees tackle as a top three-ish need, three or four need. You know, I, I think what they just need is to uh, give Panda some time. You know, he's going through some, a rough patch right now. Uh, just give him <laughs> Uh, 18 months or whatever the mandatory sentence is, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I okay. think it'd be way smarter to kick the can down the road, say Dennis Kelly's our starter this year and Tyson Braylor's our swing tackle, and hopefully we don't lose three tackles to injury slash yeah. NFI again this year and try to, like, maximize what is probably a short window to compete for the Super Bowl when your offense is based around the position with the shortest lifespan in the league, and, and that being Derrick Henry. Yeah, and just to kind of echo that, it doesn't make sense to me to bring in somebody who you hope starts down the road. You know, Keith Carter has shown he can make chicken salad out of whatever you give him. So, I mean, as down as I was on Keith Carter, just give him, you know, look at the Cincinnati offensive tackle. I don't want to get too much into the draft, but, I mean, look at the Cincinnati offensive tackle. Look at John Robinson's praise, the depth that he's come out and said that he thinks the depth at offensive tackle in this class is good. Just give him a fourth round athletic offensive tackle. If he can figure something out, great. If not, then it can move up the list and you can see if you can do something else with him. But I just don't, I don't understand how you can look at that and say wide receiver is not as big of a need as offensive tackle edge, defensive line, tight end. Like it just drives me crazy, but that that's, that's all I was going to say on that. I think, yeah, I think edge and wide receiver are clearly the top two needs and that's, like they could re-sign Clowney and Corey Davis, and those would still be the top two. <laughs> so I'll, I'll ask this as we close, Justin. Right. I, I think Edge is the bigger need, just because you know there's no AJ Brown, you know, rushing the passer. I mean, Harold Landry's a good player, but you know, Harold Landry didn't put up a whole lot of sacks this past year. So for, at that position of the free agent crop, taking money into account, you know. It isn't just a, well, if Vaughn Miller was free, I'd take him. You know, who do you think makes the most sense for the Titans out of the crop that, that's there? Because in my opinion, it's a pretty good crop. This is a good year, I think, to need a pass rusher. It is a pretty good year, and, and it'll depend on how these guys, you know, I've seen some speculation that guys are going to take one-year deals at a, like, more one-year deals will be signed this year as guys try to, like, put off for what could be a bigger payday. To me, that makes absolutely no sense. You give up what could be a huge sum of guaranteed money to take a much smaller one-year deal so that you hopefully get a bigger deal the following year. Like, I don't really believe that that is going to happen. I think we're going to see 
the fewest one-year deals we've ever seen as teams try to kick the salary cap implications down a, a year or two and spread them out over the course of a contract, reduce that one-year cap hit. So for that reason, I could see the Titans trying to go after a few guys. Carl Lawson is far and away my favorite if he makes it to free agency. I don't know if he will. There was a rumor that the Bengals might use the franchise tag on him, but they have not that much cap space either, and they really need to address the offensive line and the offense, and they got William Jackson at cornerback also set to be a free agent. So there's a pretty good chance, I think, that Carl Lawson hits the market. And then I also like Romeo Aquara, the the line, guy from the Detroit Lions, who is kind of a one-year wonder-ish. He was pretty productive last year, too, but or the year before last as well, but um, not like a big-time career guy. I think you could sign him for a, a lower cap hit kind of deal than the Carl Lawsons or even like I think someone like Trey Hendrickson is going to get overpaid. And I don't know if you guys saw that stat that was floating around last week that was like most – most sacks that were unblocked and most pressures that were unblocked. And he was on, he was near the top of both of those lists for last season. So I'm a little wary of him, but I really, I mean, Carl Lawson is my favorite free agent edge rusher right now. Justin, as always, we thank you so much for the time. We're glad that you are uh, warm now and not freezing in Texas anymore. Uh, and uh, hopefully we will have you on again once draft season rolls around. I would very much enjoy that. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate the time as always. All right. It is time now for our favorite segment on the show. Well, I I must say this first. I realized when Justin was talking that we didn't talk about Jayon Brown in our first segment. (laughs) Will, you sent me a text, and you said I thought that – when you teased the last of the yeah. big guys, that that was who it was going to be. <laughs> the the big three to me doesn't mean uh, Jadavian Clowney. <laughs> when you're like, we got Corey Davis, Johnny Smith, and Jadavian I was like, oh, well, okay. So <laughs> I was like, Jayon is 100% where I thought you were going with that. Let's have that conversation quickly. I I, I wouldn't bring back Jayon Brown. I, I Desmond King, too, is someone we didn't talk about. Uh, so quickly from me, I would not bring back Jayon Brown. I think he's replaceable. I think his replacement might even be on the roster and David Long. Desmond King, I could see an argument for if they uh, cut Malcolm Butler. Now, again, I'm not on this train saying go cut Malcolm Butler because he's good, but he's just his salary so much. Maybe restructure him. I don't know. But – you know, with Christian Fulton and Adoree Jackson and Malcolm Butler on the team, I don't know that you need Desmond King, but Christian Fulton's not really a slot corner. Desmond King is. So, I, I don't know. I feel like I haven't taken a definitive stance on any of these free agents, but it, it, they really are so tough. I still like J.L. Brown. I would like to have him back at the right price. Uh, I don't know what that is. I really don't think he's going to make that much money on the open market, especially because of this last season he had always uh, struggled with injury and he re- really wasn't productive when he played. I still like him. Like I think he's a very versatile guy who can be kind of a chess piece defender. The problem is the coaching staff probably won't use him correctly, but I do think he's a solid player. He's really good in coverage, which you know we need. Uh, and I would like to have if it's possible at uh, at a team friendly contract, but we all know how these things always pan out. It never ends up being team friendly. 
Yeah, like King to me makes sense. Like, although there was like a stretch last year where every corner was getting like a three-year, thirty million dollar deal. Like, it doesn't matter if they played slot. Like it was like Chris Harris and everybody. So if that's the deal on the table, I'm out. Uh, and then Jalen Brown, I don't know. Like, I just I don't trust that he'll be healthy. Like it, it sucks to be at that point, but I just don't trust that he's going to come back and be healthy. And like you said, I think David Long's kind of a built-in replacement for that style of play. So I, I don't see them keeping either one of them unless it's Desmond King on a deal that just makes sense. But then again, like you said, I think corner and people disagree with me on this. I think corner is like the last position that this team should draft. I mean, I would draft a quarterback. I would draft a running back. I draft every other position except for corner this season, just because. Agreed. You've got, you've just got so like, the problem with defense isn't the, or the problem with corner isn't that they haven't invested talent or like resources there. They've got Malcolm Butler who played really well this year. Adoree Jackson just played well in the past, and who you're paying ten million dollars and who has been good enough in the past to be a corner, like a, a CB two or even a CB one at times. Like he's been that guy. Christian Fulton's a rookie corner. Rookie corners always start slow. Uh, you've got Breon Borders, who's a backup on the outside. Like maybe if you think Desmond King is just a specialized inside guy, which he is, but if you think you need that on the team, then bring him back. But if, if you bring back Desmond King, there should be no more, not another dollar spent or another draft pick spent on the position at all this offseason. Now it is time for Stop the Nonsense. I will begin. I'm Stop the Nonsensing myself this week. I told you guys about this earlier today. I was looking at my checking account this morning, which clearly I need to do more often than I do. Uh, I deposited a couple checks yesterday, and I was seeing if they went through... And I noticed there was an expenditure from the Tennessean for $10. And I thought, that's weird. I don't, I don't subscribe to the Tennessean. And so then I, I, I put in the search bar Tennessean, and I found uh, eight or nine charges for anywhere from eight to ten bucks from the Tennessean. And then I remembered, oh, no. About a year ago, maybe a little more than a year ago, the Tennessean did a six months for six bucks promo, and I thought, you know, I'll do that. I, you know, I read the Tennessean every now and then. I'm tired of the pop-up ads. Sure, whatever. A buck a month. Who cares? I forgot to turn off auto-renewal, and, so, and I didn't know that. And so I spent like 80 bucks for a newspaper that I did not read. And, you know, we, maybe we can have a moment of silence for that $80. Um, you know. Hmm. I mean, auto renewal is the biggest scam. Yes, it is. Best like, it's the best <laughs> invention of capitalism and laziness like that I've ever seen. Because it's like, hey, you're going to be too tired to click all these buttons again in a year. Or we'll figure or figure out how to do it. Yeah, that, yeah, that's, like, that's like, true. Like, here's the thing with the Tennessean too, because then I immediately was like, "All right, well, I gotta go cancel it." And you know what? I haven't done cancel it because I've been busy today, and you have to call a one eight hundred number to cancel it. Yeah. There's no cancel button on the website. 
yeah just the trick of getting you to click it, it's like not not that you clicked it they do it automatically now but back in the day before it was like uh click here to auto renew it was like hey who has time to do this twice every 12 months? Am I right? It's like, no, this took you three minutes. <laughs> Let us just make you pay $70 a month. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of cancel culture, but if I can plead with, with the cancel culture mob, <laughs> come for auto renewal. All right. Make that the next thing that gets thrown away, please. And thank you. It's interesting. You mentioned the, that you had to call a 1-800 number to cancel because I bought something from from Target, and they have this option. It's called Shipped. It's it, they gave you a free trial, obviously, uh, but then they would charge you eighty dollars, like in for thing. And you had to call to in order to cancel. And I'm like, I am not going to remember to call, and that seems like an awful process. And they're not even going to give you your money back. So I was like, no, 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 thank you. I'm not doing that. So yeah, cancel, cancel that. All right, I'll go next. Uh, I have two, uh, two of uh, our favorite uh, media members, Jay Glazer and Colin Cowherd. The first one from Jay Glazer, this is right after J.J. Uh, Watt announced that he was signing with the Cardinals. He tweets out, the Cardinals had been in the thick of the Watt hunt the whole time, as if as if he knew and just did not disclose this information, even though there were zero reports hey, about the Cardinals hey. throughout this entire process. He was keeping it close to the chest. He was keeping it secret. Yes, of course. I, I, I hate can't. It, by the way. Like, the this, it infuriates me because this is the same thing as when, let's say, Adam Humphreys, when the Titans cut Adam Humphreys, and then, like, dominoes falling, you see a hundred people that say, uh, I can confirm that the Titans have cut because they all got the same email. And it's like, I can confirm this or just because they see it on their timeline. And it makes me every time just want to quote tweet everybody who does that. And I just want to say, I can also confirm just because it's like, yeah, if Schefter reports it, you're probably good to just assume it. Like, and if you get the email about it, just retweet Schefter, but sorry, go ahead. No, no, I, I'm with you on everything, and I'm going to close out with my second stop the nonsense. It's uh, Luke's favorite media person, Colin Cowherd. Uh, no, I know, you don't I, really, I've turned you don't really on like him. him anymore. I, I used to a few he, years ago, and then he got bad. He's become a caricature of himself. It's uh, honestly really bad. So today, they deleted this tweet, by the way, but they tweeted out like a picture of Colin's 2021 QB value tiers. It's two tiers. They deleted that, so I had to go to the video. It's still in the video. So in Tier 1, he has Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and Josh Allen. Okay, that's fine. Like, I, I don't have too many qualms about it. And then in Tier 2, he has Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, and Jimmy Garoppolo. Garoppolo on the same tier as Patrick Mahomes. Why is Mahomes in Tier 2? Like, this that's is just— also that— but I hate it. Cool. What? Like, like uh, what? It's, it's just for shock I mean, value, right? But, like, well, yeah, because that's the thing. Like, the argument here isn't, man, I just think he's wrong about Patrick Mahomes. The argument is like, okay, who made that graphic? Who put that together? Like, to, to get a rise out of people? I have not watched the video, so I don't know if he, there's a reasoning behind it, but I will not watch the video. Like, I, I, can't wait, my I, I can't wait for his running back tier where he puts. 
you know, tier one is Zeke and David Johnson and Saquon, and tier two is Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis. He's the worst. Like, he's got to, like, there needs to be some sort of award, like, that we can give him for all these terrible takes he's had over the years, like, a Hall of Fame, like, retire his number somehow. It's just all so bad. Like, and if you have to create hours of content, I get it. But, man, it's just just some terrible, terrible takes that he defends until he thinks you forgot about him a year later, and then he'll say you never said him. Um, so, uh, about people who get paid to defend certain things. In uh, Jim White's mailbag, I always go through to kind of look at what's going on. And uh, Dakota Houston from Knoxville uh, wrote, wrote in, and it's. Oh, I, I don't want to spoil it, but is this that bizarre scenario thing? Uh, no. This okay. Is, this is not that. This is. Uh, it's just kind of. It's. It's a sentiment that I knew would happen back in January, like early January, and we're here now. Where what we're going to keep seeing is. This this type of question, which I'll summarize it as a person who says, I can't believe people were calling for Vrabel's job and they were so upset at him for hiring Shane Bowen uh, as the defensive coordinator, coordinator. Isn't it true that it's his second year calling plays now and he has experience and that he should be better? And then somebody saying like, just to the effect of, yeah, I think the people that were upset at Mike Vrabel were overreacting. And yeah, like defensive coordinators do get better over time. Like I need people to keep the same level of hate that I have for this move. Because again, and when we have a whole episode on it, and you can go back and listen to it. It's a move that says I value my friendships more than the team winning, which is fine unless you're a football coach and that's you can't do that. So I just... I hate that we're to the point where we're about to sit through eight months of propaganda to where you have these like one out of a thousand fans that says, shouldn't we give Shane Bowen another chance? And we get it shoved down our throats and we've already gotten the Kevin Byard puff piece from a few weeks ago where two weeks after once they realized that nobody had said anything complimentary about Shane Bowen, who was on the Titans roster, they made Byard come out and say like, isn't Shane Bowen great, even though you had the worst year of your career with him this year, which I hated, but we're just going to get this propaganda over and over. And I need everybody to understand that it's going to be terrible. And the only way that the defense is going to look any better is if the individuals don't take anything that Shane Bowen says to heart and they just rely solely on their athleticism and technique because it's not going to be scheme or game plan that helps them. The thing I was thinking of from Jim's mailbag was there was someone who was like, okay, if the Titans bring back Clowney and bring back Jarrell Casey, who do you think will get to wear number 99? Oh, no, that was uh, – What? Was, no, 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 here, it's worse than that. That was on Sunday. Wasn't Watt included in that too? Yeah, that's what it was. It was on Saturday because somebody asked, uh, what happens if the Titans have J.J. Watt, Jadavian Clowney, and uh and Jarrell Casey and like who gets to wear 99 and they're basically like uh, why it was basically like, that's not gonna be a problem yeah Jim Jim Wyatt's response was <laughs> the Titans may have 99 problems but this ain't gonna be one of them 
Yeah, I, I do love when Jim White does that because he's like, this is ridiculous, but I can't just dunk on people. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for us. We'll be back next week to, as we wrap up our free agency coverage, get into out-of-house free agents and talk about who the Titans need to go and make an effort to sign. Spoiler, we're going to be talking a lot about the pass rushers. So stay tuned for that next week. Until then, for Will and Matias, I'm Luke, reminding you and everyone else in the sports world to stop the nonsense. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.